This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. What if there was a key to unlocking your fans' first-party data? So, Graham, I, I look at it this way. You have, a, you have a project that allows you to potentially create brand partnerships. And you have an audience that we know loves sports. But we don't know if that those sports fans are drinking Dunkin' Donuts in the morning or Starbucks. That's Evan Wayne, a founder at Key, which is solving the creator's need for data on their own fans. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Content creation and engagement has altered the landscape of reach in unthinkable ways. Yes, you still need the platform to communicate to your fans, but the information about your demo or core fans have always truly been owned by the platform itself. Evan Wayne and his head of partnerships, Brian Duckler, are working on changing that dynamic by giving the creator the power to leverage their first-party data. Our guests this week are Evan Wayne, who is one of the founders, and Brian Duckler, who's the head of partnerships at Key, which is a tech company that is finding a solution to targeting and tracking changes for first-party data known as their fan relationship manager. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having us. Evan, uh, let me start with you as one of the founders here. Um, What was the genesis of Key? Uh, I've been in the advertising technology space for 15 years. And that doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people, but basically it meant not all audiences are created equal. And when a brand wanted to launch a product, my job was to put their right brand in front of the right audience in the right environment. And so the thought behind key was if talents become the new brand, shouldn't they have the same technology stack that brands are using to be able to understand their audiences? And so that was the idea to give control back to talent of their first party audience, know who their fans really are. And the traditional uh, platforms, do they want to play nice with you? Do they not want to play nice with you? We call them the lovely walled gardens. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're, at the end of the day, um, if anybody comes into market saying that they want to compete with them, it's probably the wrong idea. To be complimentary, to be able to help and, and be extra added value, is kind of how a lot of businesses should take the lens, and that's kind of a lot of lenses. So Brian, then since you are the head of partnerships, let's talk about partnerships then and and what that word means to you as we kind of navigate what is the future of branding for talent? Yeah, it's, it's a great question because data ownership and everything that comes with it is not just specific to sports or properties or talent. It's across verticals. So uh, for us, partnership is like I said, properties, talent in a number of different sports and verticals. I know you're a sports podcast, but it's also culinary. It's also music. It's all of these things, Um, but also brands, 
who are trying to more effectively reach their audiences uh, and also more efficiently, right? Um, so that's what partnership means to us uh, from a, a broad level. Okay, um, let me go back, um, Evan, and I'll give you my specific example, which is I've been on air for 25 years. I have my own specific audience. It's mainly based in the Mid-Atlantic and Washington, D.C. area because I'm the voice of the Washington football team. Yet what you're talking about, even though I'd love to monetize myself differently, I would be contractually competing with myself based on these uh, traditional linear platforms that provide the outlets for me. So take me through the modern navigation of getting through those uh, conflicts. So Graham, I, I look at it this way for you. You have, a, you have a podcast that allows you to potentially create brand partnerships and you have an audience that we know loves sports, but we don't know if that those sports fans are drinking Dunkin' Donuts in the morning or Starbucks. Uh, what kind of car are they driving? What bank do they use? And that type of information is powerful for someone like you to be able to sit there and talk to a brand in an intelligent way and say, my audience isn't just sports fans. They're not all created equal. They actually drink Gatorade versus Powerade. That leads to the targeting and opportunity for a brand to want to partner with you. So our whole being around everything is, when can we help you uncover and have a better understanding of your audience? Because ultimately, they know exactly when, where, and how people are purchasing their products. The talent doesn't necessarily know what brands and affinities their fans have. That's right. And that's what we're All right, so let's lift up the hood a little bit. How do you do it? How do you find out? So uh, the number one thing with the world that we're playing in now with Apple updating their iOS, it feels like every month now moving forward, which will create data problems for people. And Google gave us in the wonderful sports terminology a pump fake of saying cookies were going away and then they... Uh, waited another two years for it, it's coming. So the only way you really can always maintain an understanding is collecting a first party data. What does that mean? An email record. An email is an identifier across the internet. So if I can take an email of maybe one of your fans, for instance, and I can bump that up into an integration we did with Experian data and MasterCard data and Orbitz data, well, they're not giving me RAM your email, they're giving me your ID, 999. And then I'm taking email from you, Bram, and I'm stripping away and hashing that email. And I'm just looking for matches. When I see the match forms that you booked a flight to Washington and you went and purchased uh, something through a MasterCard, I find that match and I report it back through our UI to you as the, the podcast. You sound like Big Brother, but good Big Brother, maybe? <laughs> Hey, big brother, because here's the way I look at it. I tell people all the time, it's so funny. Say, uh, you know, if you look at it through this, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter, Snapchat, any publisher you're on, they all keep your data, and then they sell to brands, and you don't make money besides a few bits of AdSense dollars that are rolling through. Yeah. And you have no idea who your fans really are. That's their data. So all we're saying is, why don't you take it for once? What you choose to do with it is your own adventure at that point. All right, Brian, from your perspective, take me through the idea of that partnership as you bring on talent. Um, how do they want to work with you and, and explain to them uh, how this will help them grow their brands? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I worked at one of the big agencies for 10 years. And what I know about talent is they've got agents, they've got managers, right? It takes a village 
to help them squeeze the most juice out of, uh, you know, their initiatives. So leading with context and giving more ammo, more information, more deterministic data to agents who don't always get the benefit of the doubt, but I think are pretty smart and opportunistic. Uh, it allows them to be more strategic, make better uh, partnerships, make better uh, better brand strategy, more, uh, uh, better uh, content strategy, right? So all of those things help to inform the ecosystem. And we're already seeing it lead to, hey, maybe you're already having a discussion with a brand. This helps to bolster that case. Or, hey, I didn't know this about my audience. Or I didn't know that they all drink uh, uh, this type of coffee or drive this car. Uh, it, it's it's more context that ultimately helps everybody. Um, and that ownership has uh, already led to some uh, uh, pretty uh, incredible partnerships. I, so I, I think this is this sounds kind of circular. It's you're finding out maybe things about your audience that either you didn't know or you should be leaning into. And at the same time, then, are you advising the talent, whether it's athletes, broadcasters, whoever it may be that, that's trying to, to get to their audiences? are you trying to lean them into more curation of things of what their audience wants? Like, how do you kind of view all of that? You know, it's, it's, it's so specific to uh, it's a case by case basis, really. Right. When you're talking about talent across uh, even across football, football's coming up in a month and a half. Right. And even the way that different football players approach partnerships or content strategy, hey, it's different for an incoming rookie than it is an outgoing veteran who may want to understand their first-party audience because they've got their eyes on the prize of uh, hopefully getting into media someday, right? So all these different lenses, uh, they've got different audiences, and there's so many different data sets uh, to understand that um, I can't say that there's a catch-all for how to approach this, but in terms of it being circular, we like to look at it as it's bi-directional, right? This helps them with their outreach, but also incoming, whether that's from us or into their agencies or into the talent, uh, they're able to understand how to effectively piece that all together. Evan, are you working with teams and leagues when you work with athletes um, to try to navigate the best practices for everybody involved? In the cliche of crawl, walk, run, it will make its way. Started with individual talent, it's gone into some of the PAs, and now it's at a point where a conversation begins because this team's audience is XYZ, and the team is selling in a brand sponsorship. It gives them a new lens into justifying the brand deal in a different sector for, for them. They're all trying to use data sets, but they've never been able to use the, the, their own talents data sets. This gives them an opportunity to use that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I assume you see this just in general as literally the future of advertising. Is that is that kind of the best way to put this? I'll give you a, a funny example. There's a global holding company that spends on average $300 million a quarter on Hulu to reach 40 million uniques on Hulu. Liz Khalifa, the hip hop artist, reaches 40 million uniques every 60 days on Instagram. They spend $0 on Liz Khalifa. So if you think about it through that lens, people in advertising forever have been trying to find the audience of who they want to reach by running on Meredith properties to reach fashion or Condé Nast or going to complex to reach a different type of the hip hop world, whatever it may be. But in all essence, this is what we're doing is giving them a way for brands to go directly to the audiences of the talent they want to reach. And now for the first time, talent are going to reap the benefits of that from a revenue stream. Um, for either one of you, I, I'm just, because of what we're talking about here, I, I wonder how you guys view the opportunity of name image likeness in collegiate sports. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. And it's a conversation we've had a lot because uh, what we're understanding in the marketplace and what we hear from different agents is it's like the wild west out there. And we're nervous about our clients getting into predatory situations, yes. right? Or that they're um, putting a ceiling on their value when, um, you know, all of these things are just learning curves as we, as the market obviously is going to mature. Uh, but what we see ourselves as a solution is, hey, we're an equitable solution, right? If a university uses us or if programs use us, we know that you need that same solution for the captain of the basketball team as you do for the women's volleyball team. And so because our solution is easy to access across the board, um, we see us as um, uh, an equitable solution, but also you know, you talk about college being a foundation for the future. Well, there's nothing more foundational than actually beginning and owning your data um, from the jump of your career. Man, we are in an unusual space, aren't we? I'd be- if you don't mind, if I could add something to it real quick. On yeah. here. So there's a, I went to school at the University of Michigan. We have a nice little rival, meaning everybody in the Big Ten that likes to, you know, throw, uh, throw us up as their rival. There's a lovely... Irish school, um, Notre Dame, and their mantra inside their walls is four and 40. The four years here set you up for 40 years of your future, which is the, the, the idea of a lot of college practice. But what happens after the four years of the athlete, they're kind of, what, 2% of them making it to the pros and the rest have to figure it out. If you're starting to build your audience network, even if it's not for brand sponsorship opportunities for your future, just collecting your first party data for the first time while you're relevant sets you up like you're building your own LinkedIn out while you're on campus. So us building what we call FRM, a fan relationship manager, to understand who are your fans that like you while you were in college for your game that you threw four touchdowns, or who's somebody that likes you because of your fashion sense of your friends, segmenting your audience and understanding that for whatever career path you end up going into now is the time to go get that while you're relevant. 
I mean, the interesting part, too, is just the idea of evolving as we go. And maybe this is so nascent that it's hard to have that conversation. But musicians and actors have had to do this their entire career where they have to change their brand through the years because, I don't know, take Miley Cyrus, for instance, who was Hannah Montana and then evolved into a completely different type of artist. I think not only out of necessity, but because it was the right business plan for her. Um, How do you kind of view, are we too soon to talk about evolving your brand as we go along? I think it's ever too soon to talk about. I think it's, it's funny, you know, the audience that grows up with you, sometimes if you stay true to yourself, will be your fans in whatever segment you end up targeting, right? And when we talk about segmentation, audience, and change, and, and within someone's being, it's also interesting because there are, I use this as an example too, there's, um, take Adam Levine, supermodel. So people might follow him because he's good looking and his wife's good looking. People follow him because they love his music. He just launched a tequila brand. People follow him because they like his tequila. Not everybody drinks the tequila. So to understand the different segments of your audience is super important. So you're not just throwing out content aimlessly and hoping that everybody's created equal. And I think to your point of change over time, I think being aware of that helps you start to curtail what you're doing when it comes to certain types of content. Strategies. All right. So wait a minute, Brian, let me, let me, uh, let me, do, let me talk about that for a moment. Okay. So in the past, many people who were, you know, it, it, entertainers, whatever it may be, or in my case, broadcaster, um, we were pointed to stay on your brand. My brand would be talking about the Washington football team. That's what people know me for. That's what they expect from me in this new world that you all are talking about it's okay to stray off and talk about my other interests if done correctly. Am I kind of hearing this right, that you are allowed to be multiple personality now? Well, I, I think you do it, right? You do it pretty well. You've got, you're the voice of the Washington football team, but you also have this podcast, right? So if you're able to, you know, take for us, it's, again, leading with context take the data, take the information, take the understanding of your audience and what your audience wants from you, right? And then leverage that to uh, thoughtfully choose how you want to dynamically showcase your brand. I think that would be it from a a brand strategy, but uh, the answer is broad-based, yes, it is okay, but um, you don't want to stray too far away from or starring why people actually want to see you or listen to you or view you would be my take. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's guardrails that because, you know, when you work with other groups, they, they want to know that when they go to their partners to advertise, sponsor market, whatever it is that they know what they're getting in this conversation, we're talking about, having semi and within reason, multiple personalities. Like we're not going too far off the rails from something that would probably be unattractive to the other parts of the brand, but there's a balance there, right? Finding the right balance. Yeah, absolutely. Finding the right balance and letting the data and letting your more strategic partnerships and smarter content strategy, um, all play a role in that. Right. So, uh, That's why we always say, hey, build your foundation with your first party data and then uh, actually leverage that to make smarter decisions. Evan Wayne is the co-founder and Brian Duckler is the head of partnerships at Key. Thank you both so much for coming on. Thank you for making it. Thanks so much. On the next Future Sport podcast, training the mind and body 
right now it's just such a such a difficult time for everybody um, going through this whole you know transition of what's happening can we go to gyms can we not now we're in lockdown now we're not I think if you want to be consistent with your training you have to find ways to be able to do that anywhere that's Canadian Olympic boxer Mandy Bujol, who is working with a new technology called Blaze Pods, which work to improve reflexes and keep you engaged to maximize your training. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.